It was a couple months ago, I was at the downtown campus of the Cathedral of the Rockies, kind of hanging around the, the lobby. I think I was waiting for somebody to come. And, and, I, and I saw a woman come in, and she was heading over to the front desk. She was looking for some assistance. And one of the volunteers there, I mean, uh, he got up and he, he started listening to her and they had this long conversation. I, I couldn't quite hear what she was sharing. Obviously, she was sharing some of the trials and tribulations that she was experiencing. And, and I could hear his voice a bit more clearly. I mean, he had so much compassion, uh, so much care. He was listening so intently, just really showing a lot of love for that woman as she came in off the street looking for help. I heard him from time to time share some of the things the church had available for, for her that she might be able to use. And, and at the end of this time, he, he reached and gave her a, a sack full of food. And, and then he tried to give her some words of encouragement. He said, you know, everything happens for a reason. Whoops. <laughs> Well, and, well, she nodded her head and, uh, and, and walked out. But when I heard that, I don't know how many times I've heard that phrase. Uh, I don't particularly like it. Because uh, when, when you hear that, what they're really kind of insinuating, that God is causing that difficulty. God is causing that problem. And you may not understand why, but God has a higher reason for all this. And uh, so I, I thought, well, I'm going to go do a little more exploring on that phrase. So I went on the internet, and uh, there's a lot of clergy colleagues who like that phrase. In fact, the internet said it really comes from Aristotle, because nowhere you find that phrase in Scripture. Because Aristotle, 320, he died 322 years before Jesus was born, uh, had this philosophy that there's cause and effect. Everything causes and there's always the effect. So when something is happening, what caused it? And so oftentimes people that cause and effect, so they always look for the reason why it happened. And some of the clergy colleagues uh, said, well, it was God. I mean, the most famous uh, clergy that I ran into was uh, John Calvin, uh, who was a great church reformer in the 16th century. Uh, Calvin believed that absolutely everything happens by God's will and God's command. He, he wrote in the Institutes, no wind ever rises or rages without God's special command. Every aspect of the daily weather, daily weather from thunderstorms to gentle rain or from gales to soft breezes is decreed by a God who manages everything to the nth degree. There are some people, as they journey forward, that's how they see the world. They see God moving through it all. Uh, and there's a reason for everything. But I see absolutely no reason possible for the death of millions of people who are Jewish descent in the Holocaust in World War II. I, I see no valid reason for a shooting in a school or a mass shooting in a grocery store. I, I see God not moving there at all. But I also see people who also see, well, God does those kind of things. They can look at scripture, the Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament. You'll have stories of uh, where the Hebrew people have uh, 
drifted away from God and are worshiping on shrines. And, and so God gets angry and sends a famine. So uh, people are starving to death. So thousands of people starve to death. Men, women, and children slowly dying, trying to teach them a lesson. Or you have stories in scripture where God sends a, a plague or a, or a leprosy or kills someone. Uh, I find those disturbing. I mean, I'm, part of my daily devotion I'm reading in, in the book of Samuel, and there's this story that just kind of got in my craw because it's the story of David. Uh, he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and uh, he has a brand new cart to carry the, the Ark of the Covenant. He has some oxen to pull it. And it's a very graphic description. So there's a man named Ilo leading the oxen. And walking beside the cart is a man named Ucha. And Ucha's walking. And behind it is a David and all his entourage with their musical instruments. And they're playing and they're singing and they're rejoicing. And scripture says, as they were walking along, one of the oxen stumbles a bit, caused the cart to tip a little bit. And so Ucha reaches out with his hand to steady the Ark of the Covenant, but he touched the Ark of the Covenant, and God is so angry, he struck him dead immediately. Because you're not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. And then I, I read that and kind of scratch my head. And then you read the Old Testament, like for example, a story of grace here in the Old Testament where Cain kills Abel, kills his brother. And so God is angry, so the punishment he sends on Cain, that he's going to live in the land of Nod, and there he'll be a wanderer, and, and it'll be tough harvesting times during harvest time. And then Cain comes back so upset because he said, that, that's so terrible, somebody's going to kill me. He's so worried about somebody killing him. And so God has compassion on him and marks him with a special mark so nobody will kill him, the protective mark. So I, I look at the two stories and you kind of scratch my head a little bit because one was a kind of a natural reaction trying to keep the ark from tipping over, struck dead. Another person who calls out because he's fearful somebody's going to kill him like he killed his brother and there's a protective mark put on him. And so when I see those conflicting passages, what I do for me the clearest image I have of God I see through Jesus Christ. And how often in Scripture does Jesus correct some things that we read in other parts of Scripture? I mean, you know, how you can look in the book of, of Leviticus and it says there to hate your enemy and love your neighbor. And Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, you can look up in the book of Leviticus, the book of Deuteronomy, and the book of Exodus, and it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. That's how you live. But Jesus said, no, you have heard it, but I tell you, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek, looking for reconciliation. And when I read in Scripture somewhere, God sends leprosy in, in like the Old Testament, and then I read where Jesus heals a leper. I see where uh, God strikes someone dead, like Ursha, and then, but I see Jesus raises people to life. So as I struggle to understand God, it's most clearly seen to me in Jesus Christ as the God of love and compassion and caring. 
I mean, even like that passage of scripture that Nancy read. You have that passage where they came upon a man who was born blind. And the disciples' first question, this kind of a cause and effect, who sinned? Did this man somehow sin? But he was born blind. Must be his parents. What did his parents do that brought this upon them? What, what, what had they done that caused God to make this man blind? That's the normal thought of looking to see, is God trying to teach me something by sending this disease, by afflicting me with pain, with death? And Jesus said, neither. Neither sinned. Neither caused it. Jesus does not give a reason why tragedy enters our life. But rather, he sees what God is willing and wants in the midst of tragedy and heartache. And so what does he do? He, he spits in the ground and mixes saliva with some mud. Because in first century, it was believed that uh, saliva had some medicinal purposes and value. And put it on the man's eyes and tell him to go wash in the pool. And the man did and he could see. See, so to me, that's God's desire. That's God's will. I think as a human reaction to see what caused that tragedy, what, what causes the problem we find in life. And sometimes you have to admit, sometimes the, the difficulties or tragedies we experience in life, we've caused it ourselves by our own decisions, our own mistakes. Sometimes those occur because what somebody else has done we have no control over. And sometimes things happen in life where we can't find any cause, we just know something bad has happened. And then so how do you see God in the midst of all the sometimes confusions and tragedies that life sometimes fall upon us? I know early in my ministry, I was uh, reading a book about, I found by Leslie Weatherhead. He's a 20th century British preacher and writer, but he wrote a book called The Will of God. And that has helped me. Uh, he saw God's will divided up into three aspects. One is the intentional will of God, one's the circumstantial will of God, and one is the ultimate will of God. And so as I understand Weatherhead that God's intentional will for every human being is health, wholeness, life, happiness. That's God's intentional will for us. But in the course of life, sometimes we can frustrate God's intentional will for us by decision we make, by decisions others make, but by just some tragedies of life, we can frustrate God's intentional will. And Weatherhead said, well, God has, when, you, when his intentional will is frustrated, he has a circumstantial will for your life. In the circumstances you find yourself, God is still with you seeking to give you a path to go forward, a way to live. And I think in God's circumstances of life, whatever tragedy or, or joy you're experiencing, God wants you to, to not be bitter and angry, but rather to find compassion and care and concern for yourself as well as other people around. And so in those circumstances of life where God's intentional will is frustrated, God has a will for you. But then Weatherhead said God's ultimate purpose ultimate will will not be frustrated and that's an enonement with God you will be reconciled and at one with God and nothing can stop the ultimate will from coming and I 
I found that helpful as I have faced in life the tragedies, the ups and downs, the experiences that I have experienced, that my loved ones have experienced, and others have too. Because I read this from a preacher, and I wish I would have written down his or her name to give them credit. But I really like, I didn't, so I, but somebody else wrote this, and I really like it. When they nailed Jesus to the cross and left him hanging there, his strength fading, the life literally bleeding out of him, looking down, watching as his friends ran away, and the authorities mocked and taunted as soldiers threw dice for what was left of his garments. He spoke seven times. The Bible tells us that. What he did not say, you're going to burn in hell for this, I've heard other Christians tell other people they're going to burn in hell. They know, but Jesus did not say, you're going to burn in hell for this. Jesus did not say, you'll get yours someday. <laughs> he doesn't say, you'll be sorry. He did not curse them. He did not say, God literally damned you for this. For those who were there that heard him, he simply said, Father, forgive them. That's the God as revealed through Jesus Christ. A God of care, a God of compassion, a God of love. And so when we go through difficult times in life, I mean, uh, before the service started, I was visiting with Pastor Jenny. Uh, we both lost our spouses. And so I asked her, and she shared some of the things that, that were helpful for her that, that I found helpful too. And when people wrote notes to, of expressing their sympathy, uh, flowers, a gift of flowers, uh, the gift of bringing food by, uh, uh, stopping by for just a chat, sometimes uh, just sitting with just through the times of the pain. Uh, don't have to bring explanations because I don't believe it was the will of God that those tragedies happen. But God, in the midst of the circumstances we found ourselves, God had a will and way for us to go on living as to seek to reach out. And I, and I found for myself that because of her death, I used to have sympathy, but now I have empathy. And there's a difference between the two. Uh, there's also a greater sensitivity of the importance of those notes, those expressions of love, because those expressions also help remind us that God is with us throughout it all. And the love and prayers of other people are so important in the journey when we do the ups and downs of life. But I think back on that scene I told about the lobby in the church there. I mean, what could that person say rather than everything happens for a reason? And a couple things, I mean, they could say, you know, God loves you. Maybe quote Paul, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not your anger, not your unhappiness, not, not the tragedy you're going through. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Or they could share with him that God is with you through this time. As you go through the valley of the shadow of death that you're going through, God will be with you. But also it occurred to me too, he had so much compassion for her and so much care for her that to me, a lot of times, God never forces or coerces, but to be aware of some sensitive nudging from the Spirit of God of 
maybe God will open up another window or door that you can reach out to help them in their midst of trial or troubles. Because the reality is that we journey through life, we are all called to reflect the love and grace of God to others as we interrelate with them wherever they may be on the journey of life. And so we have an assignment from God to go and share the love of God with all people, knowing that they are loved by God. And so I would like to close with a prayer that we're all familiar with, uh, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. So let us pray. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to console as to, as to, to, to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. And the people of God said, Amen. <laughs>